life. And that is why this is the best damn flag league in Jersey. The Cowboys are the first ever Bridge Flag Football League champions. And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the OBFFL podcast, episode number 36. Today will be the week five recap. Uh, before we get into that, Dylan Charay alongside me today, replacing Commissioner Brandon Kurtzman, and as always, my father Tommy Savaro here. But before we get into the OBFFL games, uh, I want to quickly talk about the basketball league registration that we announced yesterday and officially opened up. It is a bring-your-own-team league. It's going to be $1,000 a team. Games will be played on Sunday at SJV from 12 to 530. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, everyone who listens to this comes out and joins the basketball league as well. We're trying to grow. We're trying to do other stuff. We're experimenting. The football league has had so much success that we are taking this to another level and bringing a basketball league in it. Maybe we'll get uh, some other sports involved down the line. But for now, the basketball league registration is open. It will be starting the beginning of 2020. So make sure you start hitting people up, get your teams together, and we're looking forward to seeing you guys there. All right, let's get into the games. Dylan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad you, to be you, back. You didn't I, play uh, this week, yeah. I didn't play. took the week off strategically. So I said, Dan, I would sub because I figured we couldn't be cursing with me at 40% or whatever health you want to designate me as a percentage. But uh, So, yes, yeah, my first week I watched all the games. Pretty non-biased eye. Um, so I'm taking this spot for Christian this week. I got all the stats written down, so I'm ready to go. Dad, how are you feeling about uh, the past week of the OBFL? Uh, good competitive uh, games this week. Really, probably the best week. All right, I think I think I that's back-to-back weeks. We've came back and said that these have been the two best weeks that we've had. So uh, let's start with the early games. We'll start with the first, uh, the most interesting game of the weekend that I actually missed. I was not there for the Arizona versus TCU game, but Dylan, you were there. Dad, you ref the game, right? Yes. You ref the game. So uh, tell me a little bit that about that one. This is a, a huge weekend for Arizona as they won both games. I obviously started off with this one. Uh, how'd that game go? Uh, I think the bloom was off the rose a little bit for TCU. Uh, I know the Brandon, bloom was off the rose. Yeah, I mean, Weber was excited <laughs> about. You never heard that before. I'm no, sorry. I've never I'm, heard that. I'm an old guy. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's excited about TCU, and they should be. Uh, you know, renewed uh, spirit uh, with Brandon Giles. Uh, but same problems that plagued them the week before plagued them this week. Uh, red zone offense uh, having trouble scoring in the red zone. And uh, it cost them. Actually, this this game shouldn't even gone to overtime. Uh, Joe Pisco was having a great game, and for some reason, <laughs> deep in his end, caught a, a, a no, it was pitched the ball behind the line of scrimmage and decided to throw instead of run, and he threw a pick six, mm. <laughs> to Mikey Freeman's arms, at which actually uh, I believe that might have tied the game. Okay, and they sent them to overtime, right? Right, right. So um, and then in overtime, Smitty just threw an absolutely beautiful pass down the sideline. Uh, like I said, he gets he gets better every week. Uh, that team is is moving upwards, and like I said, I anticipated that uh, they they do get better every week, and they showed it this week. Yeah, I think Arizona is really starting to hit their stride. I think they finally figured out what they want to do on offense. You see, they use Joe Piscopo as kind of like a Austin Eckler type, like just yeah. short passes and just let him make people miss. And this kid Pauly has just Spo is. Not even a factor really in their offense because Smitty and Paulie have this great connection and he just catches deep touchdown for deep touchdown. So he's a, a stud they found. He's a great player going forward. So their offense is a machine. I didn't see the first game, but based off the second game, I guess you guys could correct me if I'm wrong here, but Smitty looked way more comfortable 
at quarterback. We talked about it last uh, on the last podcast. We thought Smitty was starting to hit a little bit of a stride. Uh, the Arizona team is clearly clicking. They put themselves in a really good spot now. They're sitting at four and two, right? If, if I'm yep. if I'm correct, they're sitting at four and two. Two big wins this weekend. Uh, that TCU team, they played well. Uh, they they fought to the very to the very end, like you said. It shouldn't have went to overtime. They made a, a huge play at the end of the game, kind of reminiscent of the championship game from the summer season. How right. you know when Joe Pip th- uh, took that pick and almost uh, went all the way with it. But to keep your composure and win in overtime, that's absolutely huge. And they're they're rolling right now. How were what was going on defensively for Arizona? I know we talked a little bit about. You know what Smitty's doing offensively and how comfortable he's looked. What about defensively, Dad? What do I you think, think? Defensively, they look great. Uh, like I said, uh, TCU was having trouble in the red zone. Uh, you know what it was? I, I believe I mentioned the week before that they might have had trouble with mobile quarterbacks. They rushed two this week, just two, and dropped everyone else in coverage, and it seemed to work for them. Uh, they, it was a bend but don't break defense where they were, uh, allowed the team to get into the red zone, but once they did, they tightened up. Uh, like I said, rushing two worked for them and, and dropping the coverage. I think me and Dylan talked about this at the field actually on uh, Saturday. You just talked about rushing too. I, I, me and Dylan both. I'm you're sure you agree with this. We don't like when yeah, teams I'm rush too. I'm not a big too. fan of that either. I, you have to get pressure on the quarterback. You can't it, let him sit back. It there might have worked. It might have worked for you know that one time, that one week against that certain matchup. But I think if you're playing in Bimbo or Kurtzman or you know one of the better teams in the league, you can't. You yeah. can't do that. You have you have to get after the quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many guys you have in coverage. You can't ask anyone to cover for five to ten seconds and yeah. expect things to happen, even if you're double teaming guys. Especially like IB and Kirchman, you're rushing one or two people at a time. They're they're too nice in the pocket, too good with their hips to get sacked by just one rusher. So they'll extend the play 10, 15 seconds, however long it needs to get. So that's why, I mean, we'll get to it with yeah. uh, the Clemson game, but. That's why I think bringing pressure is the key to winning a lot of games. What about TCU here? We talked about Arizona, Dad. What, what does TCU need to do differently? I know you said they struggle in the red zone, but why are they struggling in the red zone? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I can't keep my finger on it. I was trying to – I mean, they, they have – their linemen catch the ball great. Um, they, they're, uh, they got Joe Pip on the outside. It's it's just it's just not of not not making the play when it gets down in the end zone. There were a lot of drop passes I noticed in the end zone this week on a lot of teams, uh, but like I said, they just they they failure to convert. They get there, they knock on the door, they just can't get in. They looked way better though. You thought, or they're just the same team that we saw the last the, few weeks. To me, it was the same game as last week. They you know they move the ball well, they get in the red zone, they have their difficulties. All right. Um, do we have anything else on on this one here on this game? Um. I don't think so. I mean, TCU has one win. They're at the bottom of the standings, but they have a doubleheader next week. So it's weird to say. I mean, we'll get into this in the preview, but in a way, every team kind of controls their own destiny. Yeah. Even though it's not physically possible, but there's so many outcomes that, like, if you just get to three wins, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. All right. Uh, give me the stats on this one, then. You have them written down here, right? Yeah. Um, I'll start with TCU. Brand Giles was 16 for 26 for 130 yards, two interceptions. He also had 12 rushes for 85 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Joe Pip had eight catches for 75 yards. He also threw a 21-yard pass. Marola had six catches for 21 yards. Damian had two catches for 55. On the defensive side of the ball, Marola, Tempa each had a sack. Joe Pip had a pick. Mikey Freeman, as Tommy said, had the pick six. Damian had a pass breakup and two interceptions, uh, two sacks, sorry. Um, for Arizona, Smitty was 12 for 18 for 160 yards, four touchdowns. He threw also threw one interception and three for 30 on the ground. 
Joe Piscopo was 6 for 61 in a touchdown and threw the pick 6. Paulie had two catches of 65 yards and two touchdowns. George had one for 37 in a touchdown. George also had an interception and pass breakup, as did Ivanak, and Spo had a pass breakup. Okay. Uh, give me the... Oh, that was both That was both teams. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, let's move into the, the next game here. We're going to go really fast on this one. Um, I guess we'll talk a little bit about Ohio State. They, they routed UCLA 50 to nothing in the first early game. Um, not even going to talk about UCLA. Obviously, embarrassing performance. It was terrible. They got washed. But they came back later in the day. We'll talk about that. Uh, let's talk about um, Ohio State here for a little bit. We I- saw the screenshot. Pete in the group chat writes... Uh, he writes that this is the best team ever in the history of the OBFFL. How do we feel about that? Do we think that they are that good? Do we do we have them as the number one best team ever in the history of OBFFL? Dylan, I'll turn it over to you uh, since you've been a part of the league longer. No, I would say that uh, my championship team from last summer, not this one that just passed on before, Duke, we were the best team. We had, I think I went through the team, we had like five or six top two round picks on that team. Um, we had Douglas, Austin, me, my brother, Kurtzman, Abby, Joe DeMeo. I mean, all six of those guys were top two round picks. So that's what I would say. But maybe um, performance in the field doesn't says otherwise. But I still go with us. Dad, you're shaking your head over there. I, I like that team. I remember watching that game, the championship game. Uh, and I like Joe DeMeo, but he's not an Mbimbo. And yeah. he's, not, he's not even a Kurtzman. I'll give you that. So um, I can't say they're the best team. They had okay. great players. But if I'm going to match them up with a, 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 an Bimbo type quarterback or, or Zach um, Sobieski, yeah, I, I can't, I can't give him the nod there. They beat Sobs in that game. We did. Huh? We also well, had Abby. Did I say Abby? Yeah. Why, why do you think that Ohio State is cooking the way they are right now? I think their their defense has got a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, just looking at the stats right here, UCLA was held to like 60 yards, 60, 70 total yards. I mean, in a game in a league like this, even. 50 nothing like gar- they didn't get anything in garbage time. It was a lot of three and outs, and it was just a stifling performance from the defense. I, it starts on the defensive end. I think had, after the draft, a lot of people kind of doubted their defense. Like the way I be drafted, the team was like, oh, where are they going to get production on the defensive end from? But, I mean, everyone's stepping up it, from top to bottom. It's a great team effort. Morick and Johnny, have like we've, we keep outlining, have done a phenomenal job. Uh, they got Pete back this weekend, who, you know, came – Played great in every game he played in. He was great in the Ohio State game. Then he was great for Augie when he suffered for him as well. So that was a big addition getting them back. And Bimbo is on another level right now. He's on yep. the tear. He looks like he's in a great rhythm. Um, Justin and, and Justin looks great as well since uh, he's been added to the team. Prem was not there this weekend, correct? He, he was yeah, he not was there. Not. Uh, did I see TJ Inkstead there? Either? He was there, He yeah. was there? I didn't see TJ. Um, I, didn't see, I didn't see their game. That That is why. Um what do you want to say about it? I was gonna say we should let's just get into the stats. Yeah, there's not much to say. It was fifty nothing. I like to see those about Ohio State. Good. I think the reason why they're so good is because they're good on both sides of the ball. I mean, if, if you look offensively, you got uh, you got Justin on the outside. Yeah. Uh, you have Christian. You have uh, Prem comes in. You have uh, the line. You got Pete. You got Johnny. Mork. Yeah, Mork. I mean, they're, they're, and plus you got Mbimbo back there. So offensively, they have no weakness there. And defensively, you know, on that side of the ball, again, you have Prem in the corner. You have uh, Christian playing in the corner. You have uh, TJ. TJ Ainsley, I think the best safety in the league, playing uh, playing safety. It's a it's a tough, tough team. They, they really have no weaknesses. Are you going to move them to number one in your power rankings? Uh, probably. Okay. All right, let's do uh, let, let's do the stats here, Dylan, and then we'll move into All the right, next So, games. IB, who... Uh, 
is looking like the Heisman favorite as the season continues to go on. He was 14 for 22, 146 yards and six touchdowns. Also added 42 rushing yards. Justin had five catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Pete, four catches, 25 yards, two touchdowns. Mahmoud had a touchdown. Christian has two touchdowns for 45 yards. Um, defensively, Justin had two interceptions, one being a pick six. T. Jankstad had a pass breakup, as did IB. Mahmoud added two pass breakups, and Samarco had a sack and a safety. Should I read the UCLA stats? Yeah, or? yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob was 13 for 24 for 66 yards and two interceptions. Billy was 2 for 31. He also had a 25-yard completion. Liam had six catches for 39 yards. He continues his strong season. TJ Brown, two catches for 30 yards. Um, Billy also had a pass breakup and an interception on defense. And Liam had a pass breakup. Okay. All right, let's get into the uh, the next game. So, Dylan, pick which game we want to go to. Uh, let's go to Clemson versus Oklahoma. The big upset of the week. I, can, I don't know if I could say biggest because... Things got crazier in the later afternoon, but we'll go we'll go Clemson, Oklahoma. All right, we'll start with you here, Dylan. Obviously, the uh, emerging star of the league, Zach Trey, <laughs> came in, and Vin Gargano actually said this was a seventeen and a half point spread game in favor of Oklahoma as the uh, as the huge favorites, and Clemson came out there with a game plan. Zach Trey, you want to talk about game planning? Zach Trey was thinking about this game the entire week, <laughs> thinking about how he was going to win this game because he knew he needed it. And they came out there and executed. Why Why did that happen, Dylan? I think the game plan was strong, and I think the execution of the game plan was even stronger. I'm looking at the stats right here. Zach only threw for 82 yards. In the, in a game like this, that usually doesn't win you ball games. But, you know, we uh, decided to use as many plays as possible, which relied on third down conversions, which is risky, but he made big throws on third down. We wanted to run the ball at Sedano, have no negative plays, just keep the ball out of Kurtzman's hands, and then rely on our defense. We had, I think, three or four sacks. We had a defensive touchdown. Um, Kurtzman had a, a good amount of yards. He kept getting in the red zone, but we had good goal line stops, and um, that was the key. There was only, I think, six or seven possessions in this game. Where you look at the other games of the weekend, you're looking at 12, 13 possessions. So the the idea was just to slow the game down as much as possible. You know, we know the refs don't really enforce, like, the play clock, so you could bleed the hell out of the yeah. clock, and that was our goal. Just you can't lose to Kirsten if he doesn't have the ball. So Dad, you weren't refereeing that one. You didn't get, you didn't get a chance to see it, right? Not just bits and pieces, but uh, if, if you listen to the podcast the week before, I think we all picked uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma to win. But we all did say that if there was going to be a game – that could, you know, where, where Oklahoma could lose it would be this game because we compared it to the Giants playing the Browns last year. When yeah, that, yeah, you said and you said you line. said I'm going to pick Oklahoma, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if Clemson won with their defensive line play and the way right. and, and I knew they were going to put pressure on Kurtz when I was talking to Zach throughout the week. Um, I said Zach actually texted me and was like, Look, "How do I beat Kurtzman?" And I was just like, "Run!" <laughs> that was my thing. I told him to hold the ball. We were talking about it. I said, "You can't, you can't send two people. You have to blitz forward." Dylan was was actually coaching the shit out of the game. You were sitting there telling Zach what to do on a lot of these plays. Uh, Zach did a really good job taking care of the ball. You know, being smart with it. I think it was uh, Kurtzman's worst game of the season. He really didn't look to air it out at all. Wasn't really, he was a lot of check downs, a lot of dumps. Some of his players were a little he, disgruntled by he was, his play. He was, uh, Kurtzman was, was, he was struggling. He couldn't believe that he couldn't evade the uh, the pressure as he has been doing the entire season. So he was a little bit uncomfortable in that game and their defense. You guys just did a really good job. Obviously, Nick Sedano, it, it's really cold out there. It's not easy to grab his flag when he's, you know, shifting around, bouncing around the way he is. Uh, I, I am not surprised 
I am surprised, but I'm not surprised that I, I you know, it's hard to go undefeated. It's hard to have it every single weekend. Uh, it, it was, it was a good loss. It will make them focus. It, it will, you know, give Kurtzman. It would knock him off his high horse a little bit. He have to get back in the lab and start thinking, uh, what to do, how to figure this stuff out. Because the blueprint to me on how to beat him is out. Yeah, you have to rush. You have to get pressure on. It's him. strong can't. line play and an aggressive uh, defensive backs. I think that's what beats him. I, I don't want to sit here and insult Kurtzman because I know he's one of the smartest players in the league, but I feel he was getting a little lackadaisical, you know, not really game planning, just say I could go out there, pick any pick any six guys and play with me and win a game. I think this kind of sets him back, like you said, and he'll actually game plan. And I, I looked for Oklahoma to have a very strong performance this week with yeah. the doubleheader. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, let's, give me, uh, let's, go, let's go to the stats of this one, though. All right, so my brother was... 11 for 12 for 82 yards, had a touchdown interception. He also was 4 for 19 on the ground. Tommy Torrey had two catches for 8 yards. Matt Hughes, three catches for 17 yards and a TD. And he had a huge diving third down uh, catch. He usually has stone hands, so I was guessing well. Uh, Chase had two sacks um, and a defensive touchdown. Sedano, 60 rushing yards and a touchdown and also added 35 receiving yards. Uh, Vinarina had the big sack that forced the fumble. And also added two catches. Um, so, like I said, we had one, two, three, four sacks in total. That's that's the game plan to beating Kurtzman. Um, on the flip side of the ball, Oklahoma, Kurtzman was 13 for 16 for 125 yards, two touchdowns, and the fumble lost. He also added four for 48 on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Jimmy had three catches for 17 yards. Michael Eve had one for 10. Nick Tompkins, four for 23 and a TD. Tyson, three for 52 and a TD. And Justin Santiago was through 15. Um, Abby had a sack, and Mike Throws had an interception. Like you said about um, he wasn't really airing out. If you just, like, read these stats, all the guys are, like, five yards per catch. Yeah. And he wasn't – Kirsten usually throws the deep ball. You see Ed Zalek having 40-yard catch left and right, but I think we did a good job of limiting big plays and keeping the pressure on Kurtzman. Yeah, I agree. I think Clemson's in a good spot moving forward. Obviously, Oklahoma is still in a good spot, in my opinion, moving forward. Let's move into the uh, second game of the uh, – of the the middle slate of, of the second set of games here. All right, that is the Notre Dame versus Arizona State game. We'll start off. Uh, Augie is self-diagnosing himself with a separated shoulder. Uh, he said that he's almost pretty sure his shoulder is separated. He said his father dealt with a similar injury. He was talking to him about it. Uh, he's got a lump on his shoulder. He thinks it's separated. He's not playing this upcoming week. You're going to see Jack Starner, at quarterback for Arizona State. Uh, let's get into the game, though. Dad, you wrapped this one, right? Yes. All right. Let, let, give me, give me, give me something about it. What, what was the difference? Why did Arizona State win this one? Typical Arizona State game. A lot of trash talking. Uh, very physical game. Um, unfortunately, it led to uh, some extracurricular, you know, that the league frowns upon. But uh, like I said, very physical game. Uh, Augie uh, stepped up. I know he hurt his shoulder early in that game. Start, uh, hung in there. Uh, throws a great deep ball. Uh, Julius. Just, Tremendous athlete, Augie with his legs. I mean, he did it all with his arms and his legs this week. Uh, defensively, uh, they were tough on Sam Allen. Sam Allen's a tough kid. You know, he, he took a lot of abuse that game, physically and verbally, and uh, didn't back down. It, it was a tight game all the way to the end. Why do you think uh, Notre Dame couldn't get the job done this weekend? They well, we'll talk about the second game in a little bit, but. The first game today, they have. I feel like their team is really talented. Obviously, they're missing a lot of guys, but they did have the subs. Joe Pip was playing for them yeah. in that game. They were right in until the end. Sam Allen had a, a really nice touchdown run at the end of that game that I thought might have sold, uh, might have sealed the deal for them 
But then Augie, literally the next play, came back with a touchdown run of his own crazy long touchdown run. Um, Notre Dame, they, they just... I don't know. I can't believe that they only have two. What are they, two and four now, Notre Dame? Yeah. I feel like they're, they're so they much better than that. Straight. I think Nick Douglas is, is coming on strong. He might be the best player in the league that's not a quarterback. He is, you know, an absolute unit on the defensive line. Yeah. And offensively, he set the single-game record, which we'll talk about later, for catches and yards in game. It was he, He's just been absolutely awesome. So uh, that game was that was a really close game. There was a lot of good competitive games this weekend. I think if we see that matchup in the playoff again, I think you're going to see a very similar game to that. I'm not taking anything away from, from Joe Pitt, but... Nick King and Q are a big part of that team. Yeah. And those two guys not being there actually hurt them tremendously. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And you could talk about we talk about subs, you know, obviously Pip is could be better than Q or equally as good as Q, but there's something about like the team aspect and Q's been there and you just can yeah, rely on him on defense and you know, yeah, it is the chemistry. So just popping guys in there left and right, um, it it definitely hurts regardless of the talent. So I'd say get your guys to show up, and I think Notre Dame will be all right. I think Notre Dame's biggest problem is the same problem that TCU has. I think they kind of struggle in the red zone. Absolutely. Sam Allen's not the fastest kid. He's really good at making pe- making the first guy miss it when he's got 50 yards of field to work with, but when it's a tight field and he's got five yards, he's he's not getting those rushing touchdowns on the goal line. And um, I know Pip's different, but like with Q, he's not like a big body receiver. They kind of lack yeah. that. Because I mean they have Douglas, but you need Douglas to block when they're when they're setting the house in the red zone situation. So I think they just gotta work on their red zone offense and their defense. I think their defense might be like the best in the league just based off like who they got out there. Yeah. But their offense is definitely holding them back right now. Speaking of of the sending two before Dylan, me and you as we're watching the game, we said to Augie, we're like, why are you only rushing yeah. two? Send four. And then immediately they send four. They get a, a blocked ball and then an interception from Augie yep. at the end of the game. Uh, Augie again, huge game. He had a, he played really well for especially playing injured the way he did, and then uh, he had the interception at the end on the goal line to really seal the deal there. That was, it was a very very good game, hard fought game. Uh, I thought a lot of people played well. Um, it was just it was just a really competitive, really good game, hard fought. Uh, obviously, the shit that went on, the extra shit, whatever. That's not gonna happen again. It's not gonna happen in the league. That shit is over with. Uh, I'm glad everyone's okay. Uh, Get into the stats here, Dylan. Give, give me the stats. Um, all right. Augie was 7 for 13 for 93 yards and a touchdown. He also was 7 for 90 on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, True had one catch for 20 yards. Julius, the I believe the league leader in receiving yards, maybe not for long, but uh, 3 for 58 and a touchdown. Uh, Amir had a sack, and Augie had the interception, the crucial interception on Sam, like you said. Sam Allen was 14 for 21 for 136 yards, TD and interception. He also had 80 rushing yards and a touchdown. Joe Pitt, 4 for 65 and a touchdown. Uh, Douglas, 2 for 23. And Jarwar had two catches for 8 yards. Justin Suarez had one catch for 5 yards. And a lot of uh, big flag pulls. Those were in the stats of the notes. People just kept writing, God flag puller. And, uh, <laughs> for Jarwar? Uh, no, for, for Justin Suarez. Oh, for yeah. Justin, yeah, Justin the, Suarez the is a great flag puller. And Morick had one target, one catch, one yard. Had a boy. Shout out to Morick. Played, played for uh, eight three, games. Yeah, eight games. Right. Unbelievable. All right, uh, let's get into the the second, the double header games now. Let's get into the the double headers here. There was three sets of games this weekend. Uh, let's go. Let's stay Notre Dame. Let's stay with Notre Dame. Let's go Notre Dame versus Arizona. And that second one, Dad, were you refing that one? Was you, not you were not that, yeah. that. Dylan, did you see? Yeah, I watched that. All right, I mean, I was watching that from the booth. Uh, not really a close game. It was a lot of Notre Dame kind of failing to convert on third and fourth yeah. down. I mean, the stat: Sam Allen threw for 200 passing yards, which is a, a lot for our league, but only six points to go with that. 
Um, big shout out to Douglas. Broke the single game receiving record. He had 10 catches on 10 targets. Caught all 10 of his targets for 169 yards. Also added four sacks in his yeah. second game of a doubleheader. Dude is an absolute beast. I think this game puts him in the Heisman contention despite the team's two and four record. We'll see how the the last game the last week goes for them. But um, and on the flip side of the ball, Zach Bellheimer also broke a record in that game. He broke the single game sack record. He had five sacks and a safety. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think that Dylan hit it on the head right there. That was a lot of Notre Dame moving the ball. They did a really good job of getting the first down, but they could just not convert in the red zone. Uh, Arizona, on the other hand, I thought they were very creative. Dean played for them. Uh, he had They had, I know, Smitty rolling out to the right on one play, threw it back across the field to Dean, who was wide open, ran in for a touchdown. They had a few long ones. Uh, they looked really good. Big two wins for them this weekend. Puts them at 4-2. and two. What are they, in third place now? Yeah. In the standings? And that, they, that's... they actually play Kirsten last game, last game of the year, and if they win, they get a bye all yeah. the way all the way up the standing. So, so yeah, they've been playing really well. Dad, those are your guys, your Madelon boys. They've been playing yeah. been playing really well. So that that's really good for the league. Dylan, give me the stats on this one. Um, Smitty was 11 for 15 for 161 yards and two touchdowns, five rushes for 72 yards, two touchdowns. He's just gets better and better every week, yeah. more comfortable. I think he's finally making, like, the quick decision and just instead of, like, hesitating, he's he's feeling comfortable back there. Pauly, another big game, four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Dean as a sub. Four catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Spo had two catches for 10 yards. I already said Zach on defense. Absolute monster. Five sacks and a safety. Ivanak, had a, Ivanak George, Smitty, and Kevin Christie all had pass breakups, and Spo had interception. All right. Let's, for, yeah. for Notre Dame, uh, Sam was 13 for 21 for 197 passing yards and a touchdown and an interception. He also had two rushes for four yards. Joey Ratty had one catch for 11 yards. Douglas. 10 catches for 169 yards. Uh, Jordy had one catch for 14 yards. And Jarwar had one catch for three yards, that being a touchdown. On the defensive side of the ball, Morick added a sack and a PBU in his 15th game of the day. Yeah. Uh, Douglas had four sacks. Joey Ratty had a pass breakup. And Jarwar added a sack. All right. Uh, let's get into the last game of the day, which was UCLA versus Arizona State. Again, we talked about it. Augie was hurt. But that is not what this game was about. This game was about UCLA, after getting their asses whooped 50 to nothing early in the day, came back strong, showed a lot of heart, uh, and they won the game. And you really have to commend them for that. that that's not easy to do, to get washed 50 nothing and then come out and still play hard in that second game. Everyone played with a lot of emotion. I thought Rob was awesome. Billy was awesome in that game. I thought his best game of the season. Sideline catches, he was everywhere on defense. Uh, that, that was a really, really good performance on this UCLA team. Yeah, um, well, first I just want to say that Arizona State, uh, regardless of their record, I think they're the most entertaining team in the league. Every single game they play in is down to the wire with big plays. Augie, I mean, that's just the way he plays. He's like a crackhead on the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course his games are like that. But um, I saw UCLA before the game, like some of their top players are just like chilling on the side waiting for their game to play, and they're just like, what the, what the fuck is going on? Like, we're too good to just be getting blown out like yeah. this. Like, let's snap out of this and get right back to it. And they had a great game. Dad, you were riffing this one. Uh, what clicked for UCLA? Well, this is the game that everyone anticipated them, you know, play, uh, being able to play every week. Uh, Rob broke out, uh, did it with his legs and his arms, played a very smart game. Uh, they didn't let, at first it looked like it was going to be whoever got the ball last was going to win. Uh, but UCLA just, just kept coming. Uh, and Billy Andrews was, was phenomenal. Liam was awesome as well. I think he had like seven catches and a touchdown. 
Uh, he was he was an absolute beast, like Dylan said before. He's had a super strong season. He's uh, absolutely worthy of his draft position where he went. Austin, a beast. Uh, probably one of the best defensive linemen in the league, offensive linemen as well. Uh, he scored in this game. He's everywhere defensively, as always, you know, putting the pressure on his old teammate, Augie. Uh, it, it was it was a really, really, really good game, really fun game. I'm, I'm super happy that UCLA came out and they finally, you know, played well since the first week and, of the season. And they can play like this every week. That's the thing. And like, that's what I'm saying. Arizona State, who for most of the year we've had them at third in our power rankings, they just came out there and beat them. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Rob needs to – needs to commit to the run and he did this in this game but I when the Giants last season hit their stride it was him like one read take off run just get yeah. positive plays because you see when they lost 50 nothing, it was a lot of offense was stalling it was a lot of broken plays couple yards here and there but Rob's really pushed the initiative in this game and took advantage of a, a weak Arizona State defense yeah they were definitely gassed in that yeah. game uh that that was that was I'm not making excuses for them but UCLA came out ready they came out like you said too much talent on his team to be losing games fifty to nothing. Uh, that was that was really cool. I thought because you know what they could have quit and they didn't. Really, so. after you're getting trounced yeah. fifty to nothing and come in and play a game like that it was a credit to them. Yeah, so I'm saying you could have you could have quit on the team. People could have just left and not even showed up for the second game. Seriously, and they didn't. And they came out and they played. And it was that was really cool that they won that game. And now they're they're right in the thick of the playoff hunt. They play Notre Dame next yeah. week. The winner makes the playoffs. That's it. You yeah. played. You, I hope you they, win and you're in. I hope they continue their play. Yeah, I agree. All right, Dylan, give me the stats of this one here. All right, Rob Laconte was 12 for 16 for 96 yards and two passing touchdowns. Also had 10 rushes for 157 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. An incredible game for Rob. Billy Andrews, 5 for 49 in the air. Liam Knowles, 5 for 39 in the air and had a touchdown. Austin, two catch for 11 yards as a touchdown. He also added a sack. Liam, two pass breakups. And Rob had a defensive interception. For ASU, Augie was 10 for 20 for 134 yards, touchdown interception. He also had four rushing touchdowns with 85 yards, eight total rushing touchdowns in the game. Could you tell that these teams are tired? Yeah. Um, Jack had two catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. Tom Garvey had three catches for 35. Pete, as a sub, had two catches for 41. Julius had one catch for two yards and a TD. Amir, two catches for eight yards. And Augie added a pass breakup on defense. All right. Uh, Dad, let's get into your dogs of the week here for the... Week five of the OBFFL. Okay, we're going to start with the first game uh, that I saw. Uh, it was Arizona versus TCU. Uh, I'm going to go with two people here. Uh, Joe, Joe Piscopo was an absolute beast, aside from his big six, uh, which he shouldn't. Should, I'm sure he'd change his mind if he had to do that again. But uh, he was he was a beast. Uh, there were drives where it was all Joe on a couple of plays. And the other one would be Paulie, who continues to be one of the outstanding wideouts in the league with the, uh, the game winner and overtime. Uh, second game, ASU. I'm going to go with Augie. Uh, got hurt early, played that whole game, did it with his legs and his arm. I'm going to give a shout-out to Augie. He's going to be my dog this week. Uh, third game that I refereed it would be the UCLA-Arizona game. And I'm going to go with Billy Andrews. Uh, Billy had uh, great energy, uh, a lot of flag poles, uh, great uh, fourth and 15 sideline catch, diving catch to get his feet in. Uh, I'm not saying anything from Rob. Rob played great. I'm just going to go with Billy. And let's go the Clemson. Clemson-Oklahoma well, game. Clemson-Oklahoma game, uh, which I didn't see, but I got help here from uh, Dylan. He's telling me Matt Hughes uh, was, was an animal. Uh, did he play both sides of the line? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, the final uh, doubleheader game, you had Arizona versus uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. 
And we got Douglas and Zach Bohimer. Two guys who broke records this yep. weekend Record for, for the league. So, uh, really good weekend of the league. Uh, really, really competitive. I think, you know, the league is wide open moving forward, and that's all you could ask for going to the end of this. Before we get out of here, Dad, we have to do our power rankings, as we do after every single uh, after every single week of the OBFFL. If you aren't ready, I'll start. I don't need a pen and paper to know who, who what I think. I, I don't need time <laughs> to decide. So, uh, I'll go first. Uh, Dylan, you could chime in if you, if you like, if you, what you like and you don't like. I'll, I'll pick who's I like more. All right. Number one, I'm sticking with Oklahoma. I'm not going to let one one week, one bad week from Kurtzman uh, determine, you know, and, and, you know, sway me from my opinion on them being the best team in the league. I think Ohio State looks really good. I got them at number two. Remember, if you, Oklahoma beat Ohio State earlier in the season, that's why I will be giving the edge to Oklahoma right now, but Ohio State is is as 1B as you could possibly get. Uh, at 3, you have to put Arizona. They're at 3 in the stand. They've won back-to-back games, moving uh, moving way up in, in the standings. Uh, huge weekend. Smitty's looking great. Uh, like you said, their defense started to hit. Zach just set the record for most sacks in a game. Uh, Paulie's been great on offense. He got two dogs of the week right there. Uh, I got them at 3. At 4, I'm going to go Arizona State. As long as Augie's healthy. If Augie's healthy, I think they still look good. That second game, they were a little bit gassed. But that first one, I think they have a lot of experience of how to play in these close games. Like Dylan said before, every single weekend, they are in these battles. They're in these close games. So I I will put them at my four spot right now. At five, I'm going to go Clemson. I'm going to go Zach Sheree. And they're moving up fast. I think they could beat any team in the league. They've played really good. They they lost on a one-possession game to Ohio State. And then they beat Clemson. That was their last two games. Now, next week, they're coming out. They'll be playing against who, Dylan? You guys are playing? We play against Augie, but I don't know Augie, who's you play against Arizona State, so that would be a big game. I got them coming in at five. At six, I will go with Notre Dame. Uh, I think they are better than the record shows, two and four. I, I think they are, are a good team. They're moving forward. They've, you know... Nate Douglas is a beast, like we said before. We talked about them twice already. You don't, you already know my opinion on them. I got them at six. At seven, I'm going TCU. At eight, I'm going UCLA. I'm still giving a little bit of an edge to TCU. I think they're right there in these games. I just got to figure it out. UCLA, yeah, I got them at eight, but they just beat the team I got at four. So I think the league is wide open. I think anyone can beat anyone, and I'm super excited to see the way that this league finishes out this season. Dad, I'm turning it over to you. Give me your power rankings. All right, first I'm going to go with OSU. Uh, their only blemish was uh, OU, and that was a one-possession game. Uh, they got stripped down of their best player, and, and they lost Pete for a game, and they still didn't miss stride, you know. So I'm going OSU at number one. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Arizona. Number four, I have Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> if that team shows up the way they have been every week from here on in, uh, they're going to be tough to beat. Five, I, I got uh, ASU dropping. Uh, especially now with Augie being hurt and not playing quarterback, I can't uh, I can't foretell what's going to happen with that team. Uh, foretell? Yeah, can't foresee. <laughs> foresee the future. I'm sorry. Uh, number six, Notre Dame. I still think that's a very elite team. They really have to figure out how to get the ball in the end zone, the red zone. Okay. Uh, number seven, TCU, and number eight, UCLA. But if, like I said, they play like they played the last game. Uh, and hit their stride, they can move up easily. So we're, we're pretty much the same. Dylan, you're just going to like yours more because they has his team, Clemson, ranked higher. Uh, <laughs> and Kurtzman sucks. He can't be number one. <laughs> yeah. so, can't, can't go a full podcast. I, 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 I think we're at the point in the season where you really can't predict, predict for sure 
who the winners are going to be every week. Yeah, I think we were like teetering on a point where it was kind of like a two-dog race, and then one now week it snapped right back in. Literally, like I said, all eight teams can make the playoffs. Uh, three teams are in the bye hunt. It's it's madness. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great finish of the season. But everyone, that's it for this episode right here. We're going to be back on for the preview Thursday or Friday night, uh, probably Thursday night. So we'll see you guys then. Make sure to subscribe on Apple if you're listening there. If you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure to follow the page. You get a notification every single time we post. Catch you guys on the preview.